I'm Chandra Arthur. And I'm Catherine Wallace. And this is the Chat, Chat and Cam, Cam Podcast. Podcast. Woo-wee! <laughs> I don't know. This is, this is the first for us because we have a guest today with us. Yes. Gideon. And, um, say hi, Gideon. Hello. And we're also recording from three separate locations because life happens. Exactly. But we're making it work like everybody else is doing right now. So, forced innovation. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm liking it. I mean. I'm definitely glad I have a tripod. Seriously. Like, I've definitely been talking to more people about, like, how to set up and lighting and been talking to photographer friends of mine about lighting and all you know for for home use way more than Mm -hmm. I ever have before so it it's there's a lot more that goes into it than a lot of people realize especially like when you start to think about just what stuff do you already have around the house that will make it better and Where's the best place to set up? Where's the most convenient place to set up? Where's the most comfortable space to set up? And then trying to make all of those things in one space. Absolutely. And I think what you said is key. I think a lot of it is something we've said a lot this season is uh, start with what you have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can always say, okay, like the lighting I have, okay, it's fine. I've got a window. But this microphone, nobody can hear me. This will not work. So, yeah. you know, but you don't know how good or bad your equipment is until you try. So that's I mean, the truth. I think that holds true for just so, about everything. Yeah. Um, why don't you key us off? Absolutely. So, um, we're going to have another sound effect free beverage discussion because, um, I'm not drinking tea and I don't want to waste this. Um, what I'm drinking is from Dram Apothecary. It's an adaptogenic sparkling water, and it has ginger, and rhodiola, and amila berry, and chaga mushroom. And it's supposed to boost your immune, and give you antioxidants, and fight fatigue and stress, and it's anti-inflammatory. So, it's supposed to be healthy. That sounds good. Um, I'm not being healthy right now. <laughs> I feel like since there's three of us here, this doesn't count as drinking alone. <laughs> so I'm drinking this uh, small batch Victoria pink gin. And I have mixed that with this uh, fever tree elderflower tonic water. Um, you got some bougie so, tonic water. I like that. Usually, so because it's pink gin, I usually would do a gin and ginger. Mm-hmm. But it's the same brand that has the elderflower, and the it doesn't change the color of the gin, because it's, it's pink. It's got to stay pink. <laughs> and so I went in to buy it, and uh, the girl at the store, actually I didn't buy She was mm-hmm. like, are you in the service industry? And I was like, no. She was just like, oh, she was like, oh, well, most people who get this gin are in the service industry. And I was like, yeah, I got good taste. So, I've been all about it, but this is my first time trying the um, elderflower tonic water, because I'm bougie. Yeah. What's your rating? What's your review? Five stars for well, the drink again? Yes. 
Okay. It's it's a little sweet, but not too sweet. Mm-hmm. And it's almost the elderflower is almost citrusy, but like a hint of sweetness and a little bit floral. It is definitely yes, a hundred percent yes. Nice. Also, it's a good thing I have a limited supply because no drinking alone. Exactly. Yeah, we gotta gotta be responsible. Even in the apocalypse. <laughs> yes. I mean, I figure at this point, by people, by the time people are hearing this, it'll probably be the apocalypse. So. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> so, Gideon, you said you were grabbing a glass of water, so I feel like you get the ten out of ten, being healthy. On the health scale. Sorry, I got some fantas, dude. I feel that. <laughs> Orange yep. or grape. I was about to ask. It's like a pineapple. Oh, that'd be fancy. <laughs> you know what would be really good with that? Bye, uh, Micah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, check on your front porch in like 10 minutes. <laughs> Of a drive-by. <laughs> it's a vodka drive-by. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm here for it. <laughs> and Bob is open for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. You know that they're on, um, is it Dinner Delivered? Yes, it's Dinner <gasps> Delivered. Yeah. Hmm. So, support your local businesses. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's go ahead and get into our icebreaker question. Which is, that was do a, you prefer the dark theme or light theme on your computer or technology? Let's go with Gideon. I just said light just because um, I really didn't have a reason. I'm old. Um, you know, I guess everything should be bright for old people. I, I, I don't know. I just needed to pick something. <laughs> I'll take it. I don't know. But you're not old. No. Older. Okay. Older. Not older than me. I just need to put that out there. <laughs> just because I know what it's like when you're like usually the oldest person at the party, which is usually my state, so I try to make people, I'm like, nope, not today. Today I get it. <laughs> Especially with this young and around. I know. So did you guys pick dark or light? Cat, what's yours? So, I mean, obviously I picked dark because mm-hmm. that's kind of my on brand for me. Um, but I do actually have a technological reason as well on most of your newer um, cell phones and devices. Um, the screens actually use less power the darker it is. So if you have like a black background on the on your wallpaper, it uses less power because it's only lighting up the pixels that it basically black is not a light that it needs to light up. Mm-hmm. So not only does it speak to my aesthetic, but also it gets you just that little squidge more of battery power. So, but I have started doing um, on iPhones, 
there's a setting where you can have your dark mode and light mode change depending on the time of day. Like at sunrise, mm -hmm. it goes to light mode, and at, at night, it goes to dark mode. I've started doing that, and just to kind of see what some of my apps look like in light mode, because I had never seen them like that before. <laughs> and it's really interesting. Like, it was kind of a nice experiment to, it's like, it, it's part of the sunrise now. It's like, oh, you know, the sun's coming up. Oh, my phone just got brighter. So, <laughs> you know, whatever it takes. I like it. Help you wake up a little bit in the morning. Unless you stayed out all night. Then it's just really awkward. Yes. <laughs> At that point, everything's so confusing. <laughs> I like that one. Personally, um, I went with dark mode as well. But for a real... I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like just a sad reason to go with dark mode. And that is... Whenever I turn my phone over and it lights up, I got tired of just blinding the shit out of myself while I was, like, half asleep. So I set it to dark mode always and turn the brightness all the way down. Ooh, Problem did solved. I teach you the trick to send your brightness even darker? Yeah. It's like the darkest dark? Yeah. Yep. So, you can you can get even darker. And that, that, uh, um... Who taught me that? Micah Sargent. We'll link to Micah. If you like uh, iPhone tips, Micah Sargent is the man. I'm, I'm probably going to need it in my life. The other thing that I do, though, is I have, like, it, it's also set with the, um, like, the bedtime and the wake-up time yes. and the um, downtime. I, I use both of those. So people can't, like, text me call me on the of the night, my notifications don't chime all the time, and then it also adds to, like, okay, this is the time that you usually go to bed, bring bring your dimness down some more, like, you're all set up, you're good, you're ready. you should be in bed already, what are you doing, it's 11 o'clock, aren't you tired yet? <laughs> Why did you even bother setting this on your phone? Good gravy. Yeah. That, that's it. Like, we all, you know, we grew up and we were like, Mom, quit telling me when to go to bed. I know when I can go to bed. Now we have phones that tell us. Like, shouldn't you go to bed? Like, don't you need some sleep? You have to get up at 5 a.m. You should probably get some sleep. You know. But we ain't gonna listen. We, we just don't listen. We don't. It's and not a thing that we do. I even watch TikToks where a dude's like, hey, he's in a, in a, in a dragon suit. And he's trying to tell me to go to bed. And he's being threatening about it. And I still don't listen. <laughs> I'm for sure, though, here for those people. And the people who are like, hey, have you been scrolling on TikTok for two hours? How about you get up and get some water? Yeah. How about that, huh? I live for those people. That's a good... <laughs> I adore this trend among the Gen Zers where they, they remind each other to hydrate. Constantly. Yes. <laughs> I've never had so many people than like an early 20s, because I don't talk to people younger than early 20. Like, you gotta have a cutoff. Like, but like a 22 year old will ask you how much sleep you're getting, um, if you're hydrated, have you checked your credit score lately? Like, all and this And your mental stuff. health. And they'll yeah. ask about your mental health. Yes. Which I'm here for it. I'm like, Gen Z is much better at adulting than I am. Like, they totally have it together. Oh, man. But we all make those kinds of friends. 
Yes, but they're all like that. Like, yeah, we always used to have, like, that one mama bear <laughs> friend who, like, kept an eye on everybody. and, and took, But now it's, like, an entire generation of people. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. But, but like, I'm thinking about it. I have a specific friend who we'll go out, and throughout the night, like, if she finds one water bottle, she's going to make sure that everybody got a little bit of water. Did you get some water? Have you got some water? Do you need some water? Here's a, here's a water. I'm going to find another water. We've got water. Like, but at the end of the night though, you're like, thank goodness. Like I didn't do much else right, but I had two sips of water. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But really, you know, hydrate and get some sleep and wash your damn hands. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You're right. Because we definitely need to be reminded to wash our hands. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to say it for the record. So we started off this podcast, it sounds like, felt like, it feels like eight years ago, um, with me going on a whole rant about how washing your hands is dumb. And uh, I don't think I've officially gone on the record of saying, yeah, mm-hmm, this idiot right here, like, went on a tirade <laughs> about how... Washing your hands is just too dang precious, and everybody just needs to calm down with this washing of your hands. Like, you are not that dirty. And I was wrong, and I'm sorry. And, and um, yeah, I take it back. I'm going to leave it out there because I need people to see that you can grow, and you can change, and you can get better. But, I mean, I went off. It, I went deep. So. I feel like, honestly, our um, trailer for season three mm-hmm. needs to be that turnaround. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know. How, I, I really, I want that very much. <laughs> how much the world oh. has changed. Full 180. Yeah. Were you, are you one of the people that also says washing your legs in the shower is dumb? Wait, no, I haven't heard about this. Why is washing your legs in the shower dumb? This was a, a big thing. Like, it was washing hands. If you sanitize your chicken prior, like if you clean your chicken prior to cooking it. And then the third one was when you take a shower, is it important to wash your legs? Or like, does the soap drip down? And you're not responsible for washing your actual, like, legs. Oh. I mean, I see the logic in that argument, though. That, like, what's the difference between the soap from my arm going down to my leg and me applying actual fresh soap to my leg? Like, it's so all soap. So, I feel like there's, there's a couple things here. The first is, like, you do that to your hair because you don't want to dry the ends. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm tracking. But I also feel like it depends on what kind of shower you're taking. Because if you're taking, like, this is my fire drill shower. <laughs> yes. Then it's essentials, right? And we right. all know what the essentials are. Yeah. yeah. But if you are, like, having a shower, love yourself. Wash your damn legs. Yeah, like, I I think it's important from, like, for me, it's more of, like, a self-care thing. 
like it's I I want to make sure like first of all like I've had skin cancer before so it's a good chance to like look at the skin and like make sure everything's good um but yeah like I don't know like there's something about like saying that all of your body gets washed I don't know mm -hmm. it's like a good mental health thing that's fair I, I just to me it's like a are we doing a fire drill or do yeah. you actually have time to take a shower and I feel like most of the time you probably have time to take a shower yeah. Like, that's, you know, yeah. take good advantage of those times. I think that's important. I'm really glad that we had that <laughs> that moment of enlightenment because I didn't realize that that was a thing. I didn't either. people didn't do. I had never heard of, oh, here's something I've thought of before. And this is me, like, trying to understand the people who are weird about, like, germs and body parts and things. Is it weird to wash your feet, not necessarily in this order, but just with the same washcloth that you wash your hoo-ha? Yes, you have three washcloths. Oh, okay, go on. Do you not have three? I do not have three. So I need to be educated, please. I mean, do you use three when you shower? No, I use one, but I don't wash my feet. I'm on the train of, I'm standing in a pool of soapy water. My feet are fine. Hmm. I, I don't even use one, so I need y'all to tell me all the things. <laughs> I, I, this is, I, I feel like this conversation is gone left. Um, so, That's so your, do. your girl is low-key self-cleaning, low-key. Mm-hmm. So that one doesn't get the soapy body. And then there's a soapy body one. Mm -hmm. And then there's an underarm foot one. So there's oh. three. There's, there's a lady parts towel, there's a body towel, and then there's an armpits and feet towel. I mean, I feel like... Washcloth. Washcloth, yeah. Like, I feel the logic in that. No, like, I think that. I think that's a solid strategy. Like, that's... I had already been instinctively like, mm, I feel like this isn't good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I feel like I'm making a mistake. So that was my solution, was like, just don't wash your feet. It didn't dawn on me that I could just get another washcloth. <laughs> like... That I just, sometimes I just don't think of things. I'm living for this. <laughs> I do know. So I know that conversation happened when I was growing up, and that's because my dad's solution was to take soap and drizzle it onto his feet, and then wash one foot with the other, like you would wash your hand. I mean, I see the logic in that too, though, because it it's it's just like washing your hands, like that's mm -hmm. literally what we do, except doing it with your feet. I'm here for yeah. That. I like that you use the word drizzle because I immediately went to like honey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's that's an interesting. <laughs> that's good. No, I'm here for. It. I like that verb. 
That's great. Well, you know, every day we learn new things. It's true. Uh, I feel like I'm probably about to go out and buy a whole bunch of washcloths. Yes. But they have to be different colors because else she'll forget which goes with what. See, that's a pro tip. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I feel like this goes on the you're an adult now t-shirt. For real. Like, how many washcloths do you use in one shower? If it's less than three. question number one. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, Cupid should add that one to their questionnaire. They should. They should. I'm t- I mean, I don't know. I think, I think the question is, how do you wash your feet? Oh, better. Because I think there's so many, I like this new drizzle technique, the one with a washcloth, the one with soap at the bottom of the tub, like, I think that there could be many variations in how someone washes their feet, and it talks—it really talks about their thought process too. I think so. I think so. Because then there's the whole the people who are like, "Oh, I don't really think about it," and then it's like, "Oh, okay," like not judging, but just saying if that's not something you've ever thought of. There, like for me personally, like probably not going to be a match. That seems like those people who don't realize that if something's clean, it's because somebody cleaned it. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be in that category. But, and because the converse is true. If it has not been cleaned, it's probably at least low-key dirty. <laughs> I mean... And you're like 35 and you ain't never washed your damn feet. They're not low-key dirty anymore. They're for real dirty. (laughs) Alright, I feel like we've already learned so much. (laughs) Like, I feel like a better adult already. But, we actually did want to talk about some slightly serious things. Yes, we did. (laughs) So, um, Chandra, do you want to maybe talk a little bit about our um, our main topic question, and then we can have Gideon maybe tell us a little bit about or or why if you want to talk about like why you wanted to have Gideon on this particular episode with this particular topic? Yes. So, um, Gideon has been one of my mentors for like three years. Like. When, when we first met, I was just a sad little baby bird, and uh, I just, like, I had, I had a lot going on in my head, but I would not tell anybody what was going on in my head. So, she just very gently and patiently nudged me in the direction of negotiating for myself to the point where if something's changing for me, I'm like, Hey, Gideon, uh, got a question for you. I'm about to do blah, 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 and I want to get your thoughts. I want to get your perspective. Give me some words. And um, it has changed my life. Aww. So I was like, you know who I want to come on the show and share a little bit with the world? So that's, that's where all that comes from. Like, she has legitimately changed my life. And I was like, who better to talk about how to negotiate for yourself? And even, especially this episode, this season, we've been talking about entrepreneurship. And she's taken a step 
made a big uh, life change personally. And now she actually has her own business. So she can talk about it from the individual standpoint as well as from a business owner perspective of how do you how do you do that? How do you negotiate for yourself? How do you instill that behavior within yourself, but then also teach other people how to treat you? Yay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I appreciate you guys having me. This is one of the things that's a sweet spot. I am an entrepreneur now. I own a healthcare company that takes care of elders and people with intellectual disabilities. But um, in a prior world, I managed HR teams from a talent acquisition standpoint. So talent acquisition, that means these are the people that um, you turn in your application and they tell you yay or nay and go through the whole process with you of getting hired or not. Um, so when we talk about my favorite, one of my favorite things is, um, negotiating. And the reason that it's one of my favorite things to talk about in general, um, is because I'm a woman and I'm a woman of color. So statistically, we, um, from a, a pay perspective, we're way down low compared to white men. Um, and I, and at first I'm like, oh my gosh, we have all these skills. We're so smart. Why aren't we being compensated the same? And a lot of times being on the other end, I would see um, it was just because we didn't ask. So when you start really low, um, as you grow in your career, it's hard to ever take a really big jump because people are going to look at, well, what are you making now? And I'm going to pay you a percentage more to do something more. So when you start low, you're going to always end lower. And then those gaps um, will continue to progress throughout your career. So... The biggest thing I always say about negotiation is um, the first thing is you don't have what you want because you don't know what you want. And it's the weirdest thing to say because if you see something posted somewhere or you read something, you go, oh, that would be cool and to it in terms of how you would want that to work for you. What if you sit down and really create in your mind what something would look like? And then try find try to find something that's as close to that as possible. Um, it's it's a really novel idea. It's really strange. It's really weird. Um, but if you ask most people, what do you want? They don't know. And so if you don't know what you want, you cannot communicate what you want. Other people cannot give it to you. And that is with your personal life, your professional life, that is everywhere. So I just encourage people to take some time to figure out what you want. There is a book out and it's called Best Yes. And that book is, it's about um, really picking what the best thing is for you when all of the alternatives are good or all the alternatives are great. But what's the best case scenario for you? So if you don't sit down and take that time with yourself, and create that infrastructure, you will spend your entire life reacting to things that come to you. And you'll find yourself in a place where you don't even know who you are because you didn't create it. You just reacted to it. So I tell everybody, just know what you want. So when something comes your way, it's easy to say yes or no, not because of how good it looks, but because of you've already created your infrastructure. Um, 
the next thing is give other people something to react to. So when you think about if somebody comes to you and they say, would you want to do this? This is in business. This is in life. Would you do it for this number? Um, Typically, our, our normal responses are yeses and nos. Well, that means that that person created the rules of the game. I always say, give people something to react to. So if they ask you something, your response is, this could work this way or it could work that way. So you're reshaping and recalibrating what they're thinking, but then also what you're willing to take. And make sure that the options that you've given them are two options that you're as comfortable with either way it goes. But anything that's outside of those two options, um, you've got to be willing to be like, mm, doesn't work for me because this is the only way that it can work for me. Um, the other thing that I tell people is there are no limits. You've created limits in your mind that pretty much don't exist. Um, <clears throat> if COVID has taught us nothing else, it has taught us all about globalization. Like how big the world is and how much access we have to things um, that, that we want and things that we don't want and how much access they have to us. So it's very important that you not limit yourself And I mean, simple things. People will call me and they're saying, I have this job offer on the table. This is how much money they offered me. This is how much, um, you know, responsibilities associated with that. Should I take it or not? So we'll go through all their stuff and I'll say, okay, well, what about your quality of life? And they'll say, well, what does that have to do with the job? Right? So what do you want in terms of your quality of life and how does this impact that? So if you're doing this role, is this salary going to make you where that that business is your life? Is that okay with you? Or are you willing to negotiate? They'll they'll tell me things like, "Well, they told me this is these are my vacation days," and I'm like, "Uh, okay. Did you ask for double that?" And they're like, "Well, it's I mean it's a it's a regular package," and I'm like, "Uh, customize your package." <laughs> And so everything is up for grabs, from vacation time to um, to salary to who you report to to I mean all of these things that people have put these limits on because traditionally they've only seen it work one day one way. Like, don't be a robot. Seriously, don't be a robot because if you don't ask, you don't have it. But you you're scared to ask because you've never seen it work that way. Um, for business-wise, a lot of my business, because we work with elders and people with intellectual disabilities, um, a lot of my things are capped in terms of what my reimbursement rates are or what my payments are and that kind of thing. So when I can't get what I want, I'm not afraid to grab a new partner and have a new idea with a new partner. Um, that means that I might have 15 other people in my same industry that have been doing exactly what I've been doing, and they may have been doing it for 20 years, but they never thought to partner with the city, or they never thought to partner with the Jewish Federation, or they never even thought to partner with the United Way in this way. So because I can't get what I want from this place, I may be able to partner and reposition who I am in the market and what we offer to a new partner to get what I want. So don't ever feel like 
just because this person or this place or whatever wouldn't give you whatever it is, you don't have additional options because you always do. So a lot of the negotiation isn't around going back and forth with one thing or one partner or creating that limit with yourself. A lot of negotiation is being very clear about what you want and the way that you get there might change. The people that you use might change. All of these things might change, but you have already decided this is what you want and what it's going to look like. Ooh. I feel every time we have a conversation, I just I'm all shook up and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> okay, let me get out there and get this bread. <laughs> and you do. I do. I really do. I mean, but everything that you just said to me, what I heard was, the limitations are in my mind. Yep. That's that's my battle. It's to unlock my mind and say, what do I actually want? Mm-hmm. And then stop trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to make it happen. Start looking around. Mm-hmm. I already know what I want. I'm just waiting, looking to see it. Where is it at? It's out there. Where is it at? You know, for the longest time, I was like, oh, I want to go to law school. And the ABA, you know, says that there are no online law schools. That can be pieces of the program, that kind of thing, because we don't have any local. And it's so funny, the ABA is like, we don't have any online law schools. Now, I wonder if we went to look in Google online because of COVID. How many law programs are online now? (laughs) Oh, girl. (laughs) That's crazy. It's craziness. So it goes back to that, you know, sometimes you can't get what you want for whatever reason, but did the limit actually exist? Could law school not have been online before? Um, Because I bet you these colleges, they are not willing to give back the tuition people have paid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I bet the ABA made, you know, some really cool accommodations in, in extenuating circumstances. So you also have to make sure that your timing is right and you're the best choice because your negotiation or your power is around the value that you bring as well so i would have people um early in early conversations if they come in and they're like this is what i want and this is how it's going to work i might cut off the conversation really really early but if they're willing to continue the conversation we're willing to work it out after engaging with them, finding out that their value proposition and knowing that this is the best case scenario, I'm a lot more flexible to make it work. So make sure that you definitely are the best case scenario. You're the best qualified candidate. You're the best um, person to work with. And you've seen, we've all seen this before in our careers. They'll tell you, this job looks like this. And then you get the right person in it. And it completely modifies what it looks like based on the person. So just make sure that you're that person. Because if people are going to be willing to give, devote, or sometimes sacrifice pieces for you, you got to be willing to show up as well. I think we actually were talking about that a little, just kind of touched on that idea in, um, I, th- I think it was last episode, um, where maybe people come to work or pe- people always have something happening um, when they're on their way to work, they're, you know, they're late or whatever. And it, if they're an excellent employee when they're there, it doesn't seem to matter the same way it matters when they're just kind of average or they're just always having problems and they're not good at the job. 
the way that that is addressed and looked at is totally different. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm really, what, what struck me about what you said was, um, when you were speaking, when, when you first started talking about, um, the knowing what you want and, yeah. and having a clear vision of what it is that you want. Um, and I, one of the things that we talked about earlier this season was about imposter syndrome. And I think mm. that that stops a lot of people from negotiating because you said you have to feel like you're the best. Well, people go, well, I'm, I'm not the best. Like, I might be okay. So can you talk a little bit about um, how you and how you help other people um, overcome imposter syndrome? I can't, and I don't. That's my <laughs> truth. Um, I, I can't, and I don't. I think that's an internal thing, and you have to call yourself on it. And as much as people will call me and I'll get them hyped up, and I will. I'll hype you up. I'll tell you how great you are, how wonderful you are. And then we'll sit down and come up with a strategy of exactly what you're going to say and when, right? That that strategy is, okay, at this point, listen to what someone's saying. Don't respond. Take a pause. After you pause, give, come back with two options. Be grateful. Then come back with two options. They let them choose the option. Sometimes it's going to be... Um, Maybe a start date that gives you an hour, uh, a month off with a bonus. It might be, or I can start this date that you want me to start with a higher salary, or I can take the salary you want with a later start date and a bonus. So you, you figure out, you know, the strategy for going through each step. And then the end of the negotiation may be um, that you, you might talk about what additional resources that you get. So it may be that you had a particular team and it's structured this way, but you say, I want to be able to restructure my team any way I see fit within the next year. So we will come through steps of what to do, but it's still me driving the, someone else's car. It doesn't help them fix their imposter syndrome. It doesn't address anything. So if they're ever in that situation again, they're still going to feel the exact same way. Um, I, I, I think that it's just an internal battle that a lot of people have. But there have been so many times where I've called people and given them a job offer and they accepted it. And I'm, and I'm going, no, ask me for more. Please ask me for more. Because I know that, you know, on the other side of it, the manager has said, I'll go to here. Right? But they don't ask. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're fucking yourself. But, <laughs> you know, you can't make somebody. And, and a lot of times we get so more excited about being chosen. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm the chosen one. And so you see this in personal lives too, right? These people that are excited to be someone's wife. It doesn't matter that their husband is trash. They were just excited to be chosen to be a wife. And so we get excited about being chosen and not even really thinking about the benefits of do we want to choose that thing back or what it comes with because we've competed for it. We're excited to win the competition, not thinking about exactly what did we win. Kat, it looks like you just like picked up some serious truth on that one. You want to tell us what that was about? 
Yeah, like the this when you talked about how so many people when they're married and they're in and everybody around them can see like wow your marriage like hun like y'all you need some work here um and and they can't see it and and it's always so frustrating for the people around them but i think we're more sympathetic when it comes to people's jobs when it comes to mm-hmm. you know like we would never i think societally i think like we're all mm-hmm. open minded women but like i think there's a very different um tone if someone says oh well you know bob proposed and i said no it's like mm-hmm. oh my goodness what happened did he do a bad proposal did he like there's a whole thing but if somebody makes you a job offer and you just say no it wasn't the right job for me so you know, and we couldn't find a common ground of, of what I wanted and what they were willing to give. And so I turned them down. We would just go, okay, good for you. Like, you yep. knew what you wanted. You set boundaries. And you you weren't going to compromise on what the things that are important to you. And so that's where my mind was blown was how, you know, it really applies to all aspects of your life. Of that knowing what you are willing and are not willing to accept and just being upfront about that. Yeah. And it and it doesn't help with the syndrome. You know, like if you have imposter syndrome, you just have it. But it doesn't keep you from creating up front exactly what you want and saying no to anything that's not that. And yes to everything that is. You might still feel that way when you do it, but your actions can still be in line with that. Exactly. And that's where I think like having a clear vision of what you want that can be a lot more um, selfless, I think. Like, I think it's a lot easier for people to say, you know, I I want to live a certain lifestyle so I can provide for my family. That's a lot easier than saying, no, I want $50,000 a year more. Because that just seems like a straight money grab. But if you're already saying, no, no, I've actually gotten, like, used my data to say this, you know, this is the lifestyle I want to provide for my family. This is how much it costs. Therefore, my primary source of income has to be X. And they just right. offered me Y. And so I can do math and say, okay, this is how far apart we are. I think it can help make that where it's not, when you're negotiating, you're not saying, oh, I deserve this just because I say I do. You, There's actually a reason behind it. And even it may say to you something like this, my skill set looks like this in the market, in this area, so I may need to launch off on my own. And when I launch off on my own, this is how I need to make in these particular lines of business. So I need, you know, at least four lines of business. This is how I need to make in each one, and this is how I need to back into those numbers. But a lot of people, because of the amount of accountability it puts on you as a human, um, it's easier to react to what is being given to you and then tell the story about how you reacted to those things. I really, I mean, I, I, I really like that, that thinking of it is not tr- trying to not be so reactive because there are so many things that are beyond our control that we are going to have to react to, but... Yeah your own personal goals and your own personal 
negotiations that you do, that is something that is within your control. So why not be proactive about it? And when you think about it, um, just personally, how many times has somebody has somebody said to you, I would be interested in this, and you go, ooh, I have somebody I need to introduce you to. Mm-hmm. And you continue to do the work on their behalf because it just feels good to help somebody if you have a resource. Um, but nobody knows to connect you with that resource if you don't just say in passing, this is who I am and what I want. I can't, I don't know what to connect you with this. I can't put you in front of people like you're 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 just noise. So it's really it helps you to get there quicker when you're very clear about it because just like we're here on the line together, you know, if it was if it was something specific, it took us ten minutes to get on this call. What if we were talking about how one of the three of us could help the other one accomplish a goal because, you know, said person put us together in order to do that. We're living in a global economy now where we don't have to think about who lives beside us or mm-hmm. whose kid we are or, you know, who like we live in a place where we can connect with anybody anywhere at any time to accomplish anything that we have in our heads. It's amazing. I really like where this whole conversation has gone because I feel like it's just been about being limitless. And that being a mental thing and just being able to say, no, I'm going to pick my goal first. Instead of looking around to see around me to see what options I have, I'm going to internally set my own goals. That way I'm not limited by my perceived situation. That way I'm always looking for the answer to what I want. And I've already predetermined that regardless of what I see. And other people can advocate for you. That's huge. But they can't advocate for you if you if you can't clearly articulate what it is that you want. Then even if people want to advocate for you, they want to help you, they can't. Or if they do, they're going to just try something. They're going to be like, hey, here's a book I read. It might help you. But they're not going to be able to give you that kind of targeted help because you can't even articulate what you need. Yeah. Or what you How want. How cool is it when you're out and you're like, when you can connect to like-minded people, you're like, my friend likes that too have you ever hooked a couple up and Mm -hmm. been like this is gonna be great both of you guys like this and you like guitar music and you like cats and you like to stay up late this is gonna be great it's it's like going to the store and finding like the one thing that you've always wanted but on sale (laughs) and then an additional 10% off because you had a coupon in your email Yes, yes, yeah. it's the best. It is. I feel like a, so, a kind of a mama bird. So it's always really awesome when people that don't even know you know what you're about in a way that they can tell this your story. And then the right people can find you. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important because one of the things that we've talked about too a lot this season is um, branding and marketing, not just from a business perspective, but from a personal perspective as well. And I think using those same principles and being able to say like, okay, I could do the, el- the elevator speech for my company, 
but what's your elevator speech for your personal brand and what it is that you're trying to achieve in life? And I think that's a perfect reason of like, and people are like, oh, but why do I need to take the time to do that? That's why. It's because then if you can communicate that clearly and succinctly in a way that people can absorb and then share, then now your network has just grown exponentially. And truthfully, in general, because we're humans, people like to gossip. And it's really like, oh, let's go over all of these people and what they're doing. So people will talk about you, good or bad. It doesn't even matter just to have you as a topic of a conversation. So so why not be able to frame that conversation based on the fact that you, you decided what you want, how it's going to look. And they be able to benefit, they, they find ways where they can benefit you to get there, not even knowing it. Sometimes not, you know, don't even have the right um, intentions behind it and it still benefits you. It, actually, it's funny that you say that because that's how I met one of my best friends was somebody was gossiping and saying how, like, just, just talking trash, honestly. I'm not even going to say what they said. They was talking trash. And I was like, okay, but... Do we know this from a fact from your personal experience or are you just running your mouth? And then when, when they, they were like, well, I don't know, but this is what I think. I ended up going to talk to her and we've been friends for like six years now. One of my best friends. Mm-hmm. So sometimes even if someone opens their mouth to spite you, mm-hmm. what they say hits different to the person they're talking to. And that person comes back and is in your corner just because they heard, I heard somebody who was not, not in your best interest talking about you, but what they said, let me know that you're the kind of person that I would like to be friends with, or I would like to work with, or, you know, you really just don't know, but you are in control of the narrative out there. Exactly. So negotiation is a lot less about, to me, everybody has their own opinion. There are thousands of books about it. But to me, negotiation is a lot less about going into a room and trying to get somebody on your side or going on someone else's, um, trying to, you know, say the words to bring them over and going in and matching their tone and all of those strategies. But it's about knowing what's worth your time. Because sometimes it's, I might win the negotiation, but did I really win? Because what I want doesn't, it's not even valuable to me. Exactly. Like so you can win and still lose. Yeah, like I've never heard negotiation presented that way. I have heard a lot of the techniques about, um, you know, r- repeating what people have said and, and paraphrasing and, and, like you said, mirroring their tone and their body language. Um, but it, that's all about more it's about just straight winning and if you don't even know what it is you're trying like what is your what do you bring into the table what is it you want they're coming with an offer they've thought about it like what they want have you thought about what you want or you're just saying i just want more like whatever you gave me i just want more it's like well not everything's created equal for some people vacation time matters more 
than uh, salary. So unfortunately, we've had to uh, let Gideon get back to her real life, but um, really do appreciate her coming on here and sharing her wisdom and knowledge with us. I feel like we um, learned so much from this conversation. Now we're just going to kind of, I guess, talk through it and break it down a bit, and how we can apply that and some other um, helpful things about negotiating for yourself. Absolutely, like that was. I mean, I it's one of these podcasts where I really wish people could have seen our faces because you and I, I could just see your face. Like we kept having, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, just these light bulb moments of of I haven't thought about that before. Um, especially when she was talking about like like I um, am always really bad at negotiation. Like it doesn't even dawn on me to, to negotiate. Um, and I'm always so. I probably shouldn't tell the world this, but I am anyway. Um, if you tell me the same thing three times, I'll just stop. Like, if if somebody's like, "Here, we're gonna pay you X amount to do this," and I'm like, "Okay, but I want Y and Z," and they go, "No, nah, we're sticking with X." And I'm like, "No, nah, but but I really want you know A and B." And they're like, "No, nah, we're sticking with X." Like, I'll just go, "Okay." Like I can't argue more than three times. Like I don't, I don't know why. Um, but I think it's because I've always come. I haven't come at it from a perspective of I have a number in my head, or I have a place I'm trying to get to in my head, or I have benefits that I'm trying to get to in my head. Um, it's always been I just want more. Like whatever you gave me, I just want more. And I, I really like that idea of, of having a different perspective on that. So I really like that because I feel like there's so much, there's so many times when we look at someone who steps back from a job that externally looks really great, and ultimately we don't know what their ask was. And so if their job wasn't able to give them the ask, then there's no reason for them to stay there. So to somebody who's only ever looking for more, that's going to look like a ridiculous decision but it doesn't have anything to do with with the, the motives for saying yes or no to the job. The job simply wasn't giving them what they wanted, what their ask was, what they'd already written down on a piece of paper. So they had no reason to say yes to it. Exactly. And it really, like I said, like it takes the whole imposter syndrome out of the equation. Um, yes. Because it's not that you're saying you just deserve it because you say you deserve it. You're saying, this is what I want to have, the quality of life that I want to have. Or, this is what I want because it is in line with benchmarking other people who have similar skills in similar markets. Or whatever. Like It makes it more of a data-driven decision than a just... Because I feel like it. Yeah. It also changes the number that you can't walk away from. Because then if it's not based on a percentage, when you go into something and they're like, hey, I'm going to ask you to do this thing that you don't really want to do. And you're like, listen, this is not up for negotiation. I already know this isn't for me. That makes your word different to that person because you're not for sale anymore. Absolutely. And I think that that's about having boundaries. And 
I think that's a huge part of this of saying, you know, I, I think it's so easy for people to say, um, like I, I've actually heard people say where we work, um, I'll do anything y'all ask me to do. You know, I'm just happy to have a job. And it's like, no, honey. Oh my goodness. It does change that as well, because it, it then becomes a matter of, you know, this is this is the job that I that I signed up for. This is how much I'm being compensated for it, and this is what I agreed to. Versus, I will be a jack of all trades for you, even if I'm doing things that I don't enjoy and ultimately are not fulfilling for me. Absolutely, and I think it's you know we're we're always talking about no free content, and there can't you know but the compensation doesn't always mean payment. So it could be that yes, you're getting paid the same amount, but you're also getting a developmental opportunity. And it's not, I think there's a huge and important difference between somebody abusing you outside of your job description or, you know, taking advantage of the fact that you want to help and somebody saying, Hey, you don't have this on your resume. But I think you'd be good at it. So I want to give you the opportunity to do this. It's not on your resume. It's not in your job description. But I think you'd be good at it. And I think it would be a skill that would be you could add to your resume. And I know you don't know how to do this perfectly. And so I'm going to be here to help you. But that's also different if 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 you're pursuing a new experience. Or if you are, if it's something you already know that you enjoy doing and you're wanting to get it on your resume, that's still different than being so open to things that you end up doing something that you ultimately don't enjoy because it's good money. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, because that, you know, because what you said, you already know, you know how to do it. You already know you enjoy it, but you can't put it on your resume for whatever reason, because you haven't been paid for yeah. it or whatever. I would still put it on your resume. But but you want to have, you know, you think that's how you're being compensated. And it's up to you to determine, is that compensation worth it to you? Or do you need different compensation for that experience? Yeah. But I, I guess that also involves the... Um the imposter syndrome and everybody's an expert conversation because at that point you realize that what you have has what you know has value and then it stops being about underestimating yourself or saying hey this thing that I do as a hobby has value outside of the fact that it's a hobby it's something that I enjoy doing it's something that I've gotten really good at doing and not on somebody not because not because somebody else taught me to do it, but because I took my own time and invested because it was important to me that I learned how to do this. Mm-hmm. I think people feel like their hobbies don't necessarily have value. It's, you know, oh, it's just a hobby or, you know, I'm not really that good at it. And it's another way that we have gotten in the habit of devaluing ourselves. But ultimately, I think these are all pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think that we, I mean, and again, like it goes back to, you know, 
what are your side hustles? What are you, you know, and, and one of the things that Gideon talked about was um, you want to make, or you need to make in order to live the lifestyle that you want to live and provide what you want to provide, you need X amount of dollars coming in. And so that might be four different uh, ventures that you're running, but how are you, you know, and, and each one can give a piece of the puzzle and not, it may not all be perfect 25% for all four things, but maybe this one can do 50% and the other three can handle the rest or however it's going to work out for you. Um, but thinking, like, I think side hustles are a great way to be like, oh man, like, you know, I could start my, I, you know, I could take this thing that's my hobby that I love to do, that I really would love to do for a living, and I could turn that into a job, but it, I'm real, I think I'd be like $20,000 a year short. It's like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Figure out maybe an adjacent business or maybe just something else, some other thing, some other passion project that you have and see if maybe that can't cover the difference. Yes. But in order to do that, you, you have to start at a place of knowing what you want. Exactly. But I, I feel like that's the fundamental for, for all of this is bottom line, know what you want. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think if you don't know what you want, if you don't have clear goals, then how are you supposed to help yourself, let alone let somebody else help you? And I think yeah. that's, you know, even I really liked when where she talked about, you know, yes, you may, you may get there a little differently than you thought you were going to get there, but you're still going to get there. You know, your overarching goal doesn't change. Maybe it's just the actions that you take in order to achieve that goal. But I think that also removes some of the fear around it because if you, if you don't have to come up with the perfect plan, all you have to do is come up with what you would like to get out of the plan, then you start with what you have where you are and let the rest fill in. Absolutely. I mean, you don't have to have it all figured out. I mean, that's one of the great lessons when you, you know, become an adult is you realize that most of the adults don't, quote-unquote adults, don't have it figured out. Um, they're just taking what they've learned, what they've learned from other people, from what they've learned from their other experiences, and taking a best stab at it. You know, and yeah. knowing yourself and knowing what your strengths are and knowing where you could be better and leaning into your strengths and trying to develop your weaknesses and, you know, all of that, it all feeds into, you know, but why? Why are you doing all that? Well, it's, you know, to achieve this goal. Okay, why do you want that goal? Well, because it feeds into this bigger goal. Okay, then. Now, when things are rough, it helps. Because you know sort of why you're doing the things you're doing. I think that was part of it for me, though, is that instead of defining what I wanted, I felt like I had to get better at all the things that I wasn't good at. Mm -hmm. And so I was constantly chasing this ideal versus really just saying, these are the kinds of things that I like, 
this is what makes me feel fulfilled, um, and this is how I would like to spend my time. And then I ended up in a position where I didn't feel like I was good at my job. Mm-hmm. And that only reinforces the imposter syndrome. Absolutely. But so if, and that's kind of one of the things that I was getting out of this is like, if you set yourself up for failure by not having your why and what your ultimate goal is figured out, of course you're not going to end up where you want to. Of course you're going to feel like you're not doing what you should be doing. Of course you're going to feel like you're not good at your job. Yeah, it definitely gets into, um, you know, what Ritu talks about in her book, The Authenticity Principle, um, and and knowing yourself and knowing what you want. Um, if you're not doing that, then one of the things that Gideon said about, you know, you, if, when you're being so reactionary, 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 and all you're doing is reacting to the choices that other people have put in front of you, then if you do that for long enough, you're going to turn and look around and you're not even going to recognize your own life. Yeah. Because you've been given all of these choices that may have been false choices for you. They could have, you know, option A and option B weren't even what you would pick. You would have picked option W and option Z. But... But you never said that. Yeah, you never tried to reframe the argument because you didn't know that what you wanted, you didn't, if you don't know that option A and op, if you don't know what you want, and somebody says, do you want A or do you want B? You have to make a choice. You're gonna pick A or B. But if you know that by God, you want garlic Parmesan chicken wings, and somebody comes to you and says, do you want buffalo or teriyaki? You're gonna say, well, actually I would like Parmesan garlic. And that totally reframes it because that may have been an option that they thought you wouldn't want because you traditionally like spicy wings and it didn't even dawn on them that today you're not you're in more of a garlic parmigiani kind of mood but that's i guess that's where it becomes an issue of not just going through life letting other people pick for you mm-hmm and if you if you've gotten in the habit of it, it can be very frightening to break out of that. And part of the whole imposter syndrome thing is is it is fear based thinking. So the more you move away from fear based thinking, the more you are able to identify when you're not when you are back in fear based thinking. But it's it's a lot safer to have other people make all of your choices for you to give you all of your options. And it feels like if, if I already know what I want going into this this job interview or when they make me an offer, then I actually have to say what I want. And if I have to say what I want, they can tell me no versus if I just accept what they hand out to me. Absolutely. And I think that... that um... I think cultural norms play a whole lot into that. I, I was really appreciative that Gideon started off the conversation, you know, saying that, you know, her experiences as a, a woman of color have 
framed how she approaches this. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge thing. I think that, um, I mean, obviously I I don't have, I don't know the experiences of a woman of color, but I do know the experiences of a woman. And there's definitely, especially a woman in a male dominated industry, um, there's definitely that you should be appreciative that you're even getting an offer subtext Mm -hmm. that I mean I've had people even overtly say to me you know you should just be appreciative that you're even here and I think that like right there first of all you have to think like okay is this really the right work environment for me um yeah but it's also sometimes very well-meaning people can still have that air of um, I'm giving this person an opportunity subtext that they wouldn't be getting if it wasn't for me and that they don't really maybe don't even deserve. And it's that knowing that, no, no, you do deserve the opportunity. You're giving them the opportunity to work with you. Like, you're, they're getting something out of this too. That's the whole point of negotiation. Mm-hmm. And so, so be- I think, so there's, there's two points that that brings to mind for me. One is from, uh, I believe it's Chris Voss, uh, Never Split the Difference. Um, and he talks about how if at the end of a negotiation, you, you expect to feel like you're walking away with a win and you beat the other team as in they are not walking away with a win because you won and only one person can win that your perspective of negotiations is totally off. Absolutely. The other thing is... Go ahead. The other thing is, like, if you do feel that way and you feel like you're negotiating with a person who doesn't want you to win because they feel the only way they can win is if you lose, that's not really the kind of environment that you want to be working in. And ultimately... What's that going to cost you later on down the line? But if you don't know that going into the negotiation, then they, they I mean, I feel like that they have to have the awareness as, a, as a, another party in the negotiation that if you really are so good, and you are, that they have to convince you also to come and be in their environment. It's a two-way street. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I've always told people job interviews are like dates. It's like a first date. And it is important to put yourself out there. But you also want to get to know them. And you also want to say, like, you know, is this somebody who I want to have in my life? And I think that's important with job interviews, too, of saying, like, you're interviewing the company, too. Or you're interviewing that person as well. And even if, like I recently went on an internal interview with somebody, the hiring manager I've worked with for a year before. And so I didn't really have to ask her questions about the kind of culture that she uh, tries to build on her teams or you know, working at the company because it's an internal company that I've worked, you know, it was an internal interview. So I've worked there for eight years. I don't have to ask about company culture um, or any of those kind of things. But I did want to know more about 
her expectations of the person who was going to be in this role and if there was any um, sort of subtleties to it that are difficult to spell out in a job description or maybe hard spots that they anticipated this person having to overcome that you obviously wouldn't put that in a job description. And so it was able, like, even with somebody who I know really well, even with a company that I know really well, it was still like, hey, let's talk about this, what the roles are going to be. And what we actually discovered was that that wasn't the role for me. Like, the way that they want that job to happen and the things that I said that I was passionate about, they're like, we, it's not that we don't think you could do a good job at this. We just think that we have this other role that's going to come open soon that we think you'd be much better at. And like that really is in your wheelhouse. And so, but if I had tried to just, first of all, give them the answers that they were looking for, but also didn't ask those questions to try to suss out, you know, what is this job really? You know, what's the day to day look like? Um, we wouldn't have been able to have that conversation that let them see, oh yeah, it's true. And so, you know, while I didn't get that job, I did get a lead on a potential next job that I would do even better at. So I think that's a, that brings up something that you and Gideon were talking about, about putting out there what it is that you actually want, because that's when people can connect you with the opportunity. And I feel like it's really neat to see that happen. It really is. Like, when she was talking about setting people up, I was like, am I the only person who's like, okay, but like, if I ever need anything, I claim your kids. Maybe that's just me. Because <laughs> am I the only one who does that? Like when you set people up and it works out and they get married and they have kids. Or maybe they don't get married and they have kids. But whatever. They have kids. You set them up and they have kids. And you're like, okay, cool. But like that human exists in the world because I introduce you to people. So I'm just saying. Oh, for sure. When I'm in the nursing home and I don't have kids... It'd be cool if your kid could, like, come hang out with me for 15 minutes. I'm just saying, because I, I help bring them into existence. Just saying. You're their fairy godmother is what it is. That's exactly what it is. I'm their fairy godmother. So. Everybody needs a fairy godmother. Yes, I think so. She's awesome. She's definitely... Um... Actually, I also saw uh, something along those lines where um, this little girl kind of developed that relationship with her neighbors, and she adopted them. And they oh. had, like, a picture on the wall and everything. I don't remember where I saw this, but it just kind of really hit me because from that day, they became really invested in her life and created even, like, a college fund for her and everything. Bottom line being, the time and attention that she put in there was what they were looking for, and uh, going to college eventually was something that she knew she wanted, she didn't know how she was going to make it happen. It was never an ask, ask, but it was part of, it became part of meeting a need without her even realizing that that's what that was going to develop into. And they're basically like her cheer squad just because of the support that was provided both ways. Absolutely. And I think it, it's, you know, when you're negotiating, like, it really, it shouldn't be painful. Like, if it's painful, then 
there's, you know, maybe you're too far apart or maybe you need to find some common ground. Because really, like, if you're asking them for something that they're like, man, like, that's, you're really asking a lot of us. And they're really genuinely saying that. Then, then that's a whole other conversation that needs to happen. Um, you know, like, I've, I've applied for jobs before and had people say, you know, and, and I really uh, appreciate when an employer will ask, you know, what are your salary expectations? Because I'm very upfront about that. Because this isn't volunteer work. This is work work. I come here for a paycheck. If that paycheck did not show up, you best believe I would not show up either. And so, right. like, I have no problems with discussing that. And I've actually had people say at that point, oh, well, like, we're not even in the same ballpark. We don't want to waste your time. You know, apologies. And I'm like, to me, it's like, okay, you know, let's not waste time at that point with, you know, okay, well, what can you do for me? Da, 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 da. You know, if if they were thinking they were going to pay you literally half what you're expecting, and you've got data again, it's like what Gideon was saying about you know knowing, you know what's a typical salary in your market and that kind of information. Like if you know you didn't pull this number out of the clear blue sky, then you know being able to leave that negotiation with tact and with grace. I think means okay when they do realize that they are way off the mark in what they think they're going to be able to pay somebody for a position then maybe they are going to hit you back up and say hey um actually we've done some research in our numbers and we actually we think we can make your number work you know um so i think that so, that's important that we... it, go ahead we touched on part of that as far as negotiation in episode seven when we were talking to uh, Ben Wallace and he was talking about um, reaching out to people who potentially might be interested in working for him and realizing, hey, like, you know, the, the benefits that we're talking about may not be in line with what you need and with what I'm able to offer and being clear about that and how ultimately he still ended up working with that person at a later time. But the honesty, because he could have got the person to come and work for him and then had them in a position where they're like, but these are not the benefits that we talked about or, you know, this is not what I was looking for. Ultimately, all of those things could still happen. But the fact that if you're honest with a person about whether or not what you're offering and what they're wanting line up and if it's going to be mutually beneficial, it doesn't preclude ever working with that person. It actually makes it more likely that you can work with them in the future because honesty is so important. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I think about, um, so I, one of my specialties is I lead teams of trainers. Um, I am not the world's greatest trainer, but I do think that I'm very good at assembling top tier talent in trainers and getting everybody out of their way so they can do their jobs. And in previous uh, implementations that I've led, one of our requirements is you can't work from home. Like you can't train from home, you can't work from home, you can't work from home. Um, but now, given the state of things, that and, and so there's some top tier trainers that I've had to say like, you're amazing, it's not the, a talent thing, it's just that you only work from home. 
and this is not a work from home gig. But now, that is a much more negotiable <laughs> concept. So because I know these are top tier people, these are my top tier people, but they can't, you know, they're only gonna work from home. These are my top tier people, but they live in Atlanta. So you're gonna have to make some compensations there. These are my top tier people, but you know, they have small children. And so, you know, we all know small children get sick and that's fine, but like, you just need to know that that's a thing. Um, or, or whatever, like there's, there's all kinds of, of things that come with people. But again, it's like you were saying earlier, when somebody's a hard worker and they're good at their job, you're absolutely willing to make those kind of accommodations. And sometimes an accommodation that was a step too far or something that we couldn't handle, all, it can become totally acceptable, if not a bonus. Because right now, I, I'm all about trying to find people who know how to work remotely, who, who know how to be productive without having to go into an office. That's a benefit right now. I think that, that we're also seeing a lot more where it's being acknowledged that that's a skill because everybody's having to work from home. And it's something that you have to develop. Absolutely. Like, there are strategies around it, legitimately. And I think I think that it places a bit more value on what everyone is able to bring to the table because when you see someone who's able to be very productive remotely and demonstrate that, it builds trust. But I also think that it it's another... It's been very important for me because I'm not always the best at communicating. And so when you have that kind of... That distance, it becomes more... Um, important for each individual to be able to it, convey to other people where they're bringing value and what they're accomplishing. So you get more comfortable with um, vouching for yourself. Absolutely. Because, and I think, again, like that harpens, harpers back to, um, harkens, there we go, that's what I'm looking for, back to, you know, our first episode where we are talking about imposter syndrome and I've talked to so many people, I've seen people in interview workshops and people struggling with, they, they think of it as bragging on themselves and not being mm -hmm. humble and they have a problem with that. And even some people have like a, a faith-based problem with that, that you know, you're supposed to be humble. But there's a difference between bragging on yourself and talking about facts. And you yeah. can know your worth in a fact-based way and you can present that to people. That's not bragging. That's, that's just saying, I type at X words a minute. And if you type at 200 words a minute, that's impressive. But you're not saying I'm bragging, you know, I'm the best typist that ever lived. You're just saying, I've, I've got this data. It's pretty, I think it's impressive. Here. Or not even that, just like, I have this data. You know, and letting it speak for yourself, I think that can be a good way, you know, I've, I've been in this industry for 10 years. I've, you know, grown a business in this industry. Um, I have uh, gotten certifications in this industry. Saying things like that, that's not bragging, that's just stating facts. And you can use that as part of your negotiation especially in those times when you're feeling that imposter syndrome to, to bring it back to, I'm, and again, like you've got a vision in your head. It's not 
something you pulled out of the clear blue sky. It's something you thought about. It's something you wrote down. It's something that you know you have a clear idea of. You've done the math behind it. You know what you want. So you're not asking for things that you don't deserve. You're asking for your vision. So I think that maybe an important uh, an important note is feeling feeling worthy, independent of all these other things that we've talked about. It's important to feel worthy. And if you don't feel worthy, then even if you get something that you totally deserve and you've worked for, you're still going to feel that that sense of boy, should I even be in this position? Is this, should I even have this? And that's not something that a person outside of you can change. That's some, that is, like getting was saying, that is an internal battle. It really is. And I think that's, you know, I, I think it's a good point that she brought up, that she can hype people up for, like, one individual situation and get them through that one thing. But she is not trying to, to say that she's, you know, a life coach and is gonna, you know, help you change your life. She's getting you through this one negotiation. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to make that distinction of saying, you know, maybe you know you've got an interview coming or you know you did a really good job on an interview you did and you're pretty sure an offer's coming. So, I mean, there's always a good time, it's always a good idea to have, you know, your your goals documented and your your vision documented and shared with people um all of that's really good but there are definitely those moments in life when it's like no really do it now um and so you've done that but i think it's a very different um concept a very different thought process to say okay but bigger picture how am I going to, you know, what do I think of myself and what do I think of my talents? And, you know, do I feel like I'm worthy of whatever it is that I've written down in my vision and I've documented in goals? Do I really think I'm worthy of that? And that's a whole nother level. That's a whole nother conversation. And I, I, I'd be very interested to hear someone talk about that or or to like just dive deeper into that subject because I think it's so important and I think that so many people do struggle with that and maybe understanding that the root of this isn't outside of you. It's 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 a practice and there's an approach to um, dealing dealing with and feeling those feelings and how, how do you address that? I am making a note that we will uh, dig into that. We'll find somebody who we can talk to about that. Because, yeah, that's definitely a, um, I think, you know, this season we've really been focusing on entrepreneurs and and talking about it from Mm -hmm. that perspective. I think that's a whole different skill set to talk about, you know, building yourself up to be, to believe that you are worthy of the things that you're saying that you want. You know, now you've, you've done everything you've said you should do, you've set all these goals, but, like, do you think you deserve it? And I think that's important because what I feel like that's a big part of what holds people back from starting out in entrepreneurship. I think even Gideon mentioned something about that, uh, where people are not 
not confident enough to ask for what they want. And and they're just so so hung up on being happy to be cho- chosen. But what if we all felt like we were worthy of choosing ourselves? Absolutely. What could we ask for? What would we ask for if we felt worthy of it? Absolutely. And I think that that is one of those transcendent, transcendent, you know, personal life, professional life conversations of, you know, because one of the things that I say when I'm a project manager all the time is if you had infinite time and infinite resources, what would you do? Just to get people out of those blocks, those barriers that they've already put for themselves and saying, oh, but, you know, we need more server space. You know, we can't do this fast enough. Why not? We don't have enough servers. What if you had enough servers? Well, okay, I guess we could do it fast enough. Well, cool. I'm going to go get you more servers. Um, yeah. You know, what if, and for different businesses, what if we had more employees? What if you had infinite time and infinite resources? What if you were Elon Musk and you had access to everything you ever wanted to make it happen? What would you do? And I think it's a little scary to look at things that yeah. way, to, to start seeing how many mental traps we've made for ourselves um, that, that block us from thinking in this way or that way. So I think you have to give people time to process that and think about that because a lot of people, I think, they're very... And I, I don't mean this as a bad way. I think we're all... I, I, I'm not saying they. We. I do this too. Um, you get very comfortable behind in those boundaries. Um, and it can be be you know that's your security space and so to have somebody say nope you're in a big room with infinite space and you have infinite access to anything you want what do you want that's daunting so i think giving but if you narrow if you start by narrowing it down then it just this is what i want i don't want everything i want this thing yeah. That's, that changes it and makes it more manageable. But, I mean, you even have to realize, hey, I'm overwhelmed with my choices here, and I need, I need strategies in place to address that. And if that's not something that you practice of acknowledging your emotional state and how you plan to change it, then what, what, what do you really want people to do? Because it's not a matter of lack of choice. It's a matter of your own fear holding it back. And if you can't even acknowledge that and be honest with yourself about it, what can anybody else actually do for us? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's... it, But it's about, like, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to, you know, not know. It's okay to... Somebody says, what do you want for lunch? And you're like, I don't have a clue. Like, it is okay to be intimidated by infinite choice. Um, It is okay to then say, okay, I have infinite choice and that's too much. I'm going to go do some research. Not necessarily that I'm going to go do what other people have done, but I want to go see what other people have done. So maybe I can learn from their mistakes. Or maybe I can say, ooh, no, I really like that. This concept really resonates with me. Because there's nothing wrong with doing what other people have done before. It's about making sure that those choices are your authentic choices and not just something you're doing because somebody 
foist a false decision on you. That's, I think that's it. I think it's being confident and fearless enough to make authentic choices. Yeah, and that's, you know, when in doubt, fake it till you make it. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think that's something that we've, we've all done. We've all been in those positions where we're just like, I don't know about this. But if you use that as an opportunity to say, hey, I'm trying something different. This is new to me. And um, I don't have to love this. And I give myself permission to pull the plug at any time. But I'm trying something new. And maybe what I get out of it is the lesson that this isn't for me. That's okay. But if you're just taking it because it's more, and you already know that it's not what you want, then why are you even here? Absolutely. I mean... <sighs> this whole life thing, like, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. many choices. Yeah, but so it's okay. I mean, that, that's the beauty part, you know, is that we're all making it up. That that was the most freeing thing I realized as an adult, is that everybody's making it up as they go along. So, it's not a contest, and it's not a competition. So. That's, that's very true. Well, I'm so glad that we did this, we had this episode. I'm so glad we got to talk to Gideon today. I feel like, I mean... Uh, like I said, I always learn so much from talking to her, and I'm so glad that she was able to come on. But I also feel like I'm hashtag winning because I can go back and review the things that she said in perpetuity. And I mean, lucky me, right? Right. Well, I mean, lucky all of us right this second because I was seriously like, as she was talking, I started to, I felt myself starting to take notes. And I was like, no, it's okay. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. You're recording this conversation. You can go back and reference it whenever you want. Yeah, oh, I for sure am. Because I, like, I, I always get so much out of our conversations, and I'm excited to, to implement these things. And I just, I mean, you know, hey, she's, she's been doing really well and, and you know, sharing all of her, her wealth of information, and I'm just excited to take that and move forward with it and, and do more. Absolutely. Well, I am excited for us to, us being me and our listeners, um, to be able to watch you take that journey, that's always, like, you always inspire me. Just because you always, you're able to take what, the information that people give it, give you and synthesize it and turn it into something really cool. And so, I'm excited. So, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. If you, too, are excited I, I to hear about... Sure it... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, um, I'm excited also because she did recommend a book, and you know how much I love books. Yes. Um, so I'm going to get all up in that book for sure. Yes, and we will link and that in the show notes. And you're excited to get into that too. Uh, yeah, we'll, we will link to that book in the show notes. It was uh, Best Yes, and so that will be in your show notes. Um, but if you have enjoyed listening to this and this conversation and uh, this season and everything we're doing here, um, now would be an awesome time to hit that subscribe button. Uh, we come at you every Wednesday morning about 2 a.m., but you can listen whenever you want. On the season, the, uh, when we're putting out seasons, we put out four seasons a year. We take a little bit of a break between seasons, 
Uh, but we'll let you know on our social media what we're up to. You can find us on all your favorite social media um, at chat and can one. That's C H A T A N D K A N one. Um, the number one on all the social media. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at chatandcan, C-H-A-T-A-N-D-K-A-N, at iCloud.com. Got it right that time. Um, and we... Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, we, it's difficult when we're not sitting next to each other so that we can make faces at each other. <laughs> exactly. Um, like when I forgot my name. Yes, that will go down in history as the best. Best intro ever. Um, you can find links to all the places where you can find this podcast at www.chatandcan.com. You can also find links to our social media there and anything that we've got going on. Um, so thank you very much. If your podcast app allows you to like, please like and rate this podcast. That is the number one way that you can help us and you can help your follow fellow podcast listeners find us. Because that's how algorithms work, we think. Um, be sure to leave a comment if you have enjoyed this. Um, is there anything else we're supposed to tell people? Um, wash your hands. Oh yeah, wash your damn hands. Now would be a good time. You've been sitting here for a little over an hour and a half, so it's probably time to wash your hands. Anything else? I, I think that's it. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you very much for spending your time with us. Um, thank you, Chandra, for introducing Gideon to us. She's amazing. Always oh, a pleasure. All right. Later, skater. Bye.